Welcome to the last Wednesday of the week, the multi-tool of sports podcasts, where we bring you our highlights of the week in sport. We get stuck into some meaty subjects and we take a look to the week ahead that sport has to offer our faces. On this week's show, Simon is all set and the NBA is all set. The playoffs are set. Simon gets into the ins and outs, tells us what's happening and who we should be looking out for. Off the back of one of the most titanic matches in Premier League 2022 history, so I'm reliably informed by Ben, Ben asks, did we see the greatest quality match in Premier League history? Who knows? Ben gives us all the information as we head into uh, the talk of soccer ball. So join me, Dan, with Ben and Simon on this, the last Wednesday of the week. Hey, gentlemen, welcome. Good evening, good morning, good night, good afternoon, whenever you're listening. Ben, hi. Huzzah. Um, hi, Dan. Good evening or morning. Uh, yeah, it's been fantastic. That was a lovely opening intro. I think you've bounced back from last week's debacle. Uh, <laughs> Simon, you okay? Yeah, I was going to concur. I thought Dan, I mean, he, he hit out of the park this week. He's He's been, well, basically browbeating us off air for the last 10 minutes about how terrible we are as people. Terrible. Um, but, you know, sometimes like you just got to crack the whip. If you you got to break a few eggs if you want to make yeah. omelette, right? If you want to crack the whip, you've got to break a few eggs. Um, <laughs> well, the wiser words have never been said. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, well, I'm just astonished by just the level of professionalism, just to turn it on, just just like a faucet and just absolutely deliver gold. So, Thank you, Dan. That was fantastic. And, um, you know, it's nice to see uh, that you turned up this week. I appreciate it. Um, I, I try and turn up as often as I can. But you know what? I'm a professional, Simon. Mm. I'm a mm. professional, regardless of how... Um... Yeah, I don't know where I'm going with that. So let's... <laughs> <laughs> Dan, um, listen. Do you, genuinely... uh, do you want us to talk about it straight away? Because you nearly uh, went into championing your own marathon run this weekend. I genuinely I wasn't going there. I think it's important for me inside just to say off the top, well done mm. for getting around. You managed to do yeah. it in under seven hours, I believe. It was, um, yeah, just. And uh, listen, you raised uh, heaps of money for charity and a wonderful event, uh, and yeah, well done, Dan. A round of applause. Hey. Yay. And Thank Dan, you. I mean, I concur with everything Ben said, and I even offered my services to rub in those tight, creamy hamstrings, and uh, I got nothing back from you, so uh, wow. here we are. What an offer. We I should know. do that as the next video special. <laughs> <laughs> maybe we'll get a few, How many we'll clicks? Get a few more hits. Yeah. Thank you, gentlemen. Yes, it was um, an incredibly uh, trying event. Um, got around in the end, not in the time I wanted. Um, but nonetheless, like you said, Ben, huge amount of money for the charity I was running for. Really pleased with that. And uh, frankly, the only thing that kept me going. Um, but here we are. And I'm absolutely, I've never felt so beaten up by a race. I've, you know, it's, I've done a few of them and genuinely this is the worst I felt after them. So something wasn't working, something wasn't firing. But sometimes, Ben, as I said in the chat to you, sometimes you get the marathon life, sometimes the marathon life gets you. 
<laughs> I mean, listen, the marathon life has obviously got you, Dan. Oh. But uh, well done. You did real sport this weekend. We are I a sports did podcast. Athleticizing. I did and a you thing. Did a thing to quote the uh, Jeremy Clarkson. I'm just uh, putting a note down there of tight, creamy hamstrings. <laughs> so, uh, suffice to say, um, thank you, Ben, for helping me out with my excuse there. Um, I've been buried in um, drowning my sorrows and feeling sorry wallowing in self-pity for several days and over the weekend a little busy prepping for that um so i've actually had little um uh, in my face when it comes to sports apart from my own sporting activity i caught the last eight laps ben of the formula one so why don't we start there ben let's start with you talk to us about your highlights the weekend just gone let's let's kick off with the formula one because albert park um was was uh, the venue and um but apparently didn't quite deliver for you yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's important to say that this was not a fun race, uh, but there were interesting narratives. Uh, you know, I'm starting to think that Formula One is just really skilled in the art of making something out of nothing. Uh, yes, we've seen some incredible races, obviously, but all the terrible races over the years have given them a clear idea of how to keep people watching and it did i kept watching i don't know why nothing happened uh firstly a couple of points there this was the largest outdoor sporting event in the history of australian sport that's insane Four hundred twenty thousand Aussies, uh, I'm sure many other nationalities, uh, went over the weekend to Albert Park in Melbourne. Uh, it truly is a stunning place. Insane numbers. Uh, the pull of Formula One right now is incredible, growing kind of seemingly exponential. Formula One just, just doesn't seem to have a ceiling right now. It's just blowing up. Whether that yeah, might that, be I mean, the it's a couple of races back, wasn't it? They had the Sky had the most watched race of any they've hosted since of any um, in the last well, ten years or since ever they've had it, whatever it is. Yeah, I mean, any it's it's absolutely incredible. You have to go to back to Hamilton, maybe two thousand and eight. Uh, you know, Silverstone, uh, maybe even further back. Um, I don't know whether it's Drive to Survive or the emergence of this kind of huge celebrity power from the young crop of drivers. Um, but I, I couldn't say, I, Formula One right now is in a good place, Si. So I've got one question, guys, because you know how much I love Formula One. Albert Park, what a shit name for a race course. <laughs> I'm going to say it. What a shit no. name. It sounds, it sounds like your local park that you go and have a game of, I don't know, Extreme Frisbee in. It doesn't sound like some, you know, 420,000 drunk Aussies watching cars go around a track. It just doesn't sound good. They need to change it. It is an unbelievable venue, but you're right. It's just a park with a nice pool slash lake Ooh. in the middle. Uh, and you've got this beautiful skyline of the uh, the Melbourne uh, skyscrapers behind. You know, you've got St. Kilda in a different direction. I've, you know, privileged to have been there a couple of times, and it, it is an unbelievable venue. I mean, in terms of names, though, Albert Park it, it immediately instills in people this memory of Australian GP. Absolutely. And also, you've got Fenway Park and, you know, and dreary places like Villa Park. So, you Ooh. know, it's in... <laughs> it's very dreary at the moment, but that's something we'll come <laughs> on to later. So, you know, it's in good company. Um, but yeah, Ben, one of the stories I did pick up on saw doing the rounds today was how Alex Albon, the tyre whisperer, managed to pull off a last place starting to a 10th place finish 
Incredible, incredible. He, he's, I think this he is the first time. One, his hard set of tyres he started on, 57 laps, pitted on the last lap to change and then completed. Yeah, he basically just bobbed a little pair of softs on because he had to or he would have been disqualified. Yeah. Um, it was basically the only highlight at the end of the race, which was won by Charles Leclerc at a canter. Verstappen yeah. had some kind of engine fire. He's now 50 points behind his rival. Um, it's concerning you know, was... uh, engine issues for Red Bull there, aren't there? Um, we were three races into a 23-race season. I mean, literally, there's no prizes yet. Has um, Alex Albon silenced some critics with what he was able to do with the Williams on a 57-lap tyre race? Not not my critics with two safety cars, no. I'm not a fan of Albon. I don't think he's a good enough Formula 1 driver. Um, everyone sort of says, no, give him chance. He has massive financial backing. That's the reason he's in the car. I don't think he's at the level of uh, Norris and Russell, who you know I talk about them because they're compatriots. Albon was born in London, obviously, uh, races under the Thai flag. Uh, but he's nowhere near Charles Leclerc, Verstappen. They're a cut above. Um, but the, the crowd looked amazing. Weather was fantastic. Absolute snore fest, Si. So um, I've got another question, guys. I'm really just full of questions today. So, Ben, you're, when you said the 23 races, your head slightly sunk. Is that too many races? Is oh, that too yeah. many? Is that is that why? Ridiculous, ridiculous amount of races. Uh, Formula One for me should be quality racing circuits. They should go to places around the world, and they should keep the season within twenty races. The problem about twenty three, people might say, "Oh, it's only three more," but that's three weekends. There's only fifty two in the sea in the year in the mm. calendar that we've been gifted by our ancestors. Um, and they seem to be racing every other weekend. We've got triple headers. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not doing it's, anything for their sustainability drive it's either. It's an immense impact on the environment. It's a pressure. Um, and people say, oh, yeah, you know, well, they're Formula One drivers. They get paid literally millions of pounds. They should race every week for us. I don't want to see Formula One every weekend. It takes your weekend, it takes your time. I don't like it. 23 is too many because there's talk of 26, 27, Si. I mean, come on. Well, that, that's been, is, I think, slightly taken out of context, wasn't it? The, the, the conversation has been there could be up to 26 or 27 in terms of viable courses, but it's unlikely to be that many. I disagree. The I, think they'll, I, think they'll, I think they'd do 30 if they could. It's yeah. all about the money, Dan. Exactly. Stop defending them. We know. All right, speaking of money, Ben, uh, talk to us about the Grand National Big money maker for the bookies. Um, you're still here, so neither of you got lucky. Um, talk yeah. to us about it. Well, I mean, in terms of uh, luck, it, it would, listen, let's start with the positives because there are negatives. Let's start with the positives. Okay, Sam Whaley Cohen won on 50 to 1 long shot Noble Yeats. I think we can say long shot for 50 to 1. It's a, a belter of a bet if you had a tenner on that, that's for sure. Um, this was Sam's last ride before retirement. Imagine going out with a Grand National win. He went out in style. Sam Whaley Cohen, although you probably know the name if you, you watch uh, horse racing, is an amateur jockey, has been all his career. So he doesn't get any of the prize money. He gets the plaudits, which isn't getting any of the money. He runs a dental surgery and rides in his spare time, has been all his career. He's ridden seven winners in 40 races over the Aintree fences, but this was his first Grand National, but he's done very well at the meet, of course, nearly one in um, 
uh, I can't do the math, seven, eight? Crikey, I should have done that math before I came on air. Uh, he beat any second now in an incredible finish to wow the 80,000 strong crowd. Tr- truly a wonderful spectacle. Um, before I talk about the cost that, you know, the Grand National seems to um, seems to run at, uh, what, what, what did you make of it? Uh, did you see it, Si? I watched a little bit at the end. I, I think this is going to be the kind of ability I have to to talk about most of these events. I've watched the last bit, so I didn't know the colours of the horses. Um, I do know that uh, that my girl um, Rachel Blakemore didn't didn't finish, or did she finish outside no. the top ten? Was it a fall, no, f- or did she fall? Yeah, yeah. Manila oh. Times fell um, mm. safely, thankfully. Mm. Um, it wasn't a great ride from Manila Times or Rachel Blackmore, but again, only 15 of the 40 finished. Um, and the run up to the end, I, I did back any second now. The run to the end was absolutely mm. spectacular. You mm. know, wow, the crowd, beautiful day. Um, but it did come at a cost. It's been a historically a bad event in terms of safety challenges okay um obviously in 2012 there's been some excellent since 2012 there's been some excellent meets with no fatalities because they made massive changes four horses died this weekend mm. i mean it's a lot of horses it's just a lot i mean one's too many four disco rama was pulled up during the race with a pelvic in- injury put to sleep Eclair Surf, a stunning, stunning young horse with a huge career ahead, fell at the third fence, suffered a huge head injury, put down the next day. Uh, Solwara One and L.A. Bell died on the Friday of a fall and a heart attack, respectively. That brought the tally of 59 horses dying since 2000 at this meet alone. Listen, I, I mean, this is what always the conversation we have with horse riding. We always say this, but four horses over a weekend is staggering really well, that's like two a year yeah but but there's, there's barely been a death since 2012 so the safety regs have made a difference but 15 of the 40 horses finished that's how hard it is they either run out of steam pulled up uh you know go lame can't make the jumps the crazy stuff you know i mean they've lowered the height of the the jump i think beaches brooks down to five and a half or five foot three or something now si so i mean are you are you saying that the race should be shorter are we saying there should be less competitors are you saying that there should be a greater standard of health checks before they ride what what's the solution health checks is a tricky one because these horses i mean in terms of a heart attack these horses are absolute pedigrees and we've seen Mm. heart attacks and heart problems in professional football you know, I do liken it to that. Some athletes and horses, they run at a certain level. They're all drug tested. I'm sure there are things that go on behind. I'm not saying that horse racing at all is innocent. I mean, we've seen some horrible things in recent years. Um, but yeah, for me, the event should just be shorter. What does it have to be 30 fences? Don't hold on to your pride. Shorten the event. Make it a little bit more punchy, a little bit faster, mm. um, and perhaps you know they they only do the big fences on the first run round now, so they have made it safer. But they've still got to go; they've got to go further. Mm. You know, they they can't turn this into a flat race, or people just won't attend. So you know, I, I don't I don't know I don't have the solution, Sai. That's that's for sure. But mm. there needs to be uh, changes. Are you looking for the essentially the T twenty version of horse racing, but for, mm. <laughs> to bring well, the national, I mean, that's every every weekend? 
But that's every weekend, <laughs> you know, with flat racing. And flat racing is absolutely yeah. fantastic. The Grand National is this spectacle because it is so a slog. How much money and gets I get bets? actual... Oh, on the Grand National. I mean, it will be absolute millions. Find that out because I suspect as long as that stays a significant lump of cash, the Grand National is going to continue uh, as long as that makes a lot of money for uh, A, the bookies, and P, B, the, the, the racers and the winners. But to be fair, that's, part of that's probably due to um, the, whatever that is. It's just the name, the Grand National. It's historic. It's everything else. I think a lot of people, I mean, yes, you'll get the hardened gamblers that may be affected by it, but a lot of people just do it because, you know, it's the Grand National and they've kind of always done it or whatever. So you might yeah. not necessarily get that curved. As I said, you might get the hardened gamblers curved a bit, but... Yeah, a lot. I don't think a lot of the casuals watch it because it's a jump race. Yeah, fair. All right. Well, um, let's stick with mega money then, Ben. Um, while while you're still finding that out, let's let's move out uh, to our, one of our favourite cash-rich principalities, and that's the Monte Carlo Masters. And you've got a bit of tennis for us. Yes, they are cash-rich. Um, preliminary figures coming out of Ben's quick Google search sees. Three hundred million plus spent on that one event, um, oh, and the Grand National attracts five hundred million viewers. That's a big event. I mean, I, I listen. I yeah, it's not go going anywhere it. anytime soon, is it? Yeah, it's <laughs> certainly not. And uh, uh, rest in peace to those wonderful horses. Okay, so let's talk about this tennis. I didn't talk about tennis last week, and I was a bit sad because the world needs to hear the last Wednesday of the week discuss the tennis situation. There is a Westlife reunion about to happen in tennis. Stan Wawrinka made his return to the Monte Carlo Masters. Yeah, he lost in three sets to Bublik. Bublik, a top 20 player. Uh, So this was pretty impressive from Stan Wawrinka. Stan's been out for a good while now. Add to this, on that same very day, I saw Roger Federer doing some rehab work, looking strong. Add to that, Andy Murray is back with Ivan Lendl, the coach who was with when he won his three slams. Rafael Nadal is fit again. Djokovic might be able to play Wimbledon, although he is super rusty. He got dumped out of the Monte Carlo Masters by the uh, young Spaniard, Davidic Fakina. We're going to get the whole gang. <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> Davidich Fakina. Uh, we are going to get the whole gang back together, side. We're going to have Stan. We're going to have Andy, Raff, Djokovic and Federer. Maybe not Wimbledon, but definitely the US Open. I, I, just, think, I just think we're going to see five more years of them winning everything. I know, you know, my, my heart says it's going to happen. My head says none of them will ever win anything ever again. Uh, but we're getting the gang back together, and I'm excited about this. I'm always excited about tennis. Sai, why are you not excited about tennis? Because I don't have enough time, Ben. I've got so much other stuff on, so many other sports to watch. I watch Wimbledon. Obviously, I watched... Um, Raducanu winner at the US, but yeah. you know, I, I beyond that, I can't devote any more time to tennis. I'd like to play it more. So if either of you comes to my house with a racket and a ball, let's go and find a court, baby. But um, yeah, I uh, yeah, just don't have time to watch it, brother. 
Listen, I, got I will a come to the bottom of the cupboard, the do- cupboard of doom under the stairs somewhere. So si. we'll have oh, to do that. Oh, Dan, challenge today while your legs are weak. Accepted. <laughs> si, if I come and play a bit of racquetball with you, will mm. you promise to massage my tight, creamy hamstrings? <laughs> oh, mate, we'll just have to see how tight and creamy they are. Okay. Oh, that's yeah, so weird. To get a bit out of hand. Uh, let's let's cool the room a bit. Let's cool the room um, and talk about golf. Yeah, I'll bring everyone's temperatures down a bit, Ben. Golf, Tell us what you have golf, to say about golf. Golf. I'm surprised you didn't watch the golf on Sunday night, Dan. If I had run 26 miles, which uh, 42 kilometers, which I certainly won't be doing anytime soon, I would have loved nothing more than to relax my feet watching the final round of the Masters. There is no more relaxing sport event in history. Fight me. That's the fact. True. You know what I did? Factual, I real ate, uh, drank wine and watched the Jimmy Savile documentary. I mean, I've not watched the Jimmy Savile documentary, and uh, I hear some good things. Not about Jimmy Savile, obviously, but the no. documentary itself. Yeah. Anyway, we're not here to talk about that. Yeah, tell us about the golf. Scotty, Scotty Scheffler, 25-year-old, mm. uh, the man out of New Jersey, world number one, whose name nobody knew until this weekend. Um not only did he pretty much destroy the field, it would have been a lot more than three shots if it wasn't for a sensational Rory McIlroy uh, run at the the last and uh, a wobble that saw Scotty Scheffler struggle to close out the win. He, I think he did a four-putt double bogey and a few nervous laughs at the end. Um, but he was miles ahead of the field in mm. every area of golf. This was his fourth PGA Tour win this year alone, and that came in only six starts. I cannot begin to tell you how much that does not happen in golf. Some players go their whole careers not reaching four wins and they can have exceptional careers. Scotty Scheffler is basically dominating left, mm. right and centre. And he's taking it all within his stride. He just looks so calm out there. What an impressive golfer. It is not simple. Uh, he he plays like Johnson. He make, Dustin Johnson in a way. He makes it look a little bit too easy at times he plays these percentage shots which some people think you know but he gets the job done um i like him a lot um i had literally only heard his name last year but now he's a master's champion he's got his green jacket hideki matsuyama presented him with that green jacket um who himself struggled over the last 36 holes uh, and Sai, before I ask your views on the stunning Masters weekend, I love it. I, I genuinely love the Masters tournament. Um, Tiger, the man himself, he ran out of steam, finished mm. 20 shots behind Scotty, uh, but made it through the weekend, made the cut, yeah. played 72 holes or whatever it is. And uh, he's going to play the 150th Open at St. Andrews this summer. So loads of positives, Sai. Yeah, I mean, credit to Tiger. I mean, I think we had slightly differing views on how well he would do. Um, In the end, both of us were kind of right and both of us were kind of wrong in terms of he made the cut, which is fantastic. But as you said, he he started to run out of steam. You could kind of see it starting to happen in in his second round because first round he was competitive at points and it just kind of faded for him. Um, The only thing about this weekend golf-wise, and I, I didn't watch all of it, although I kept an eye on it because I did place a couple of bets that came off, not showing off, but I did, including one on Scotty Scheffler after we had our conversation where I said, I'm not backing the favourite. <laughs> I'm not backing the world number one, and then I did. Um, but, you know, it's always more difficult when there's it's a it's a nice, firm lead. I believe, was Matsuyama, he was, he was a few shots ahead last year, wasn't he, going into yeah. the final round? Yeah, it's, and it's that's, not that exciting when someone's walking yeah. away. Yeah, and I mean, there was there was talk about um, 
oh, what's his name? The the Australian with the horrendous mullet and mustache. Cameron um, Smith. <laughs> yeah. He he was there was gonna make a challenge and Harry Kane even went on there and tried to say that he was gonna win and all that stuff. And he, the pressure really got to him because in his final round, he, he went in the water. He had a couple of double bogeys, I think. He, it just all went kind of wrong for him. And he even got overtaken in by a resurgent Rory McIlroy, I believe, who uh, had a really, really electric last round from what I've seen and what I've read. So, um, yeah, an interesting thing. It wasn't the, the drama we like. I mean, we like a close race. We like a playoff or something like that. But as you said, dominant from Scheffler in the end. Yeah, he had the odd nervy part or whatever but you know consistent and especially in what was occasions challenging conditions especially early on with the wind yeah 100 percent the way you, you don't want to see a uh, any golf tournament at that level played out with a comfortable four put double bogey because he had shots in the bag he was able to make mistakes he was able to get nervous i would have very much liked to have seen scotty scheffler uh make a put to win the masters and then miss it and then lose the masters i don't wish that on anyone <laughs> but i'm saying um, i'm saying that would have been insanely exciting you're absolutely right we've we've missed a few amazing finals in the masters for a few years now um but there's one always around the corner yeah, Cameron Smith did well. Uh, I backed Sungjae Im. He finished in the top nine, so did well for me. But he tailed away a little bit as well mm. after a wonderful opening, uh, 18 and 36. Um, but yeah, I, I just find it so relaxing. I mean, it just it just I just drains any stress from your body. Just watching the mm. and the commentary is just uh, so beautiful. Obviously, we don't have Peter Alice anymore, but it's still just so relaxed. I think Andrew Cotty is it uh, wonderful. Yeah, I, I I agree. It was great from the uh, bits I watched, um, which was on and off. And once again, we're talking about F one taking up a whole weekend, but four rounds of golf is another thing oh, that's going to take too up much. a whole. Too yeah, much. I mean it's it's insanely long, but it was it was good to watch um, some really really good golf play. And you said yeah, the commentary is always really really good. They've got that down to a a T <laughs> per chance. Um, honey, honey. But at the same point, um, the only question is Scottish Sheffler. So as you said, he's um, kind of the flavor of the month at the moment. World number one, winning winning majors. Uh, we've seen a lot, especially with American players. We've seen um, a lot of them be around for a hot minute. Obviously, you had Jordan Spieth, who had a pretty good year a few years ago. But you've had regular you know, rotation of, of especially American players coming and going. Um where do do you see him being different? Do you see it going either way? What's your thoughts on him? Has he got the skills to to keep this up and, and make it a, a bit of a dynasty, or is this another guy that might fall back on the wayside? It, it can it can go one or two ways uh, with Scotty Scheffler. One might argue that actually uh, Scotty's now got his first major because that was his first of the four you know majors over the year. He's got that. All the nerves are gone. He can now then just go and absolutely dominate. Um, and he might. He's outrageously good this year. He's just winning against everybody but you're absolutely right you've had these americans that have just come up obviously jordan spieth because i think he won two um majors um but then you've also got the likes of justin thomas uh xander chauffele uh colin morikawa won the the, the yeah. pga sorry, the, won the open um, for God's sake, last year. So, you know, uh, and John Rahm, he's, you know, obviously not American, Spaniard, but he came in and, and, and just went down again. Um, but if, listen, if Scotty Scheffler can emulate, not necessarily Tiger, because that's a hard 
task to follow. But if he can emulate someone like Brooks Koepka, so you know, and have that consistency in the tournaments and pick up a couple of majors, uh, absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I, I like him. He's twenty five years old. He's really relaxed. He's got what it looks like a lovely family, and um, I'm a fan of Scottish Scheffler. I can get behind this golfer. All right. Well, thank you for that roundup, Ben. Si, let's move over to you. You've just got a couple of things for us. Let's start with, um, let's head back to the park. Let's take it back to Villa Park. You want to talk about Stevie G? Uh, I am going to call, I've actually got to call both of you up, but I'll call you out first, Dan, because you totally looked up Villa Park. I saw the screen light <laughs> up before you looked, and I knew you wouldn't remember the name of, of the Villa Stadium. No, I knew it um, was. I just had to double check. <laughs> <laughs> That's still basically the same. So Steven Gerrard, that's what the simple title I've left on our Google Doc. Um, I'm calling Ooh, Ben out. Mysterious. I'm calling Ben out. How dare you give me this hope? How dare <laughs> you? It's tough right now. We're on a four-game losing streak. We can't defend. We can't score. Coutinho will play one in two games, but when he play, you know, when he's on, he's really good. But then he'll have a game where he's anonymous. Players are undroppable. Why is John McGinn, who I love, I love John McGinn, but he isn't playing that well right now. He's playing really bad in places. And he's just, you wouldn't even get substituted. You've got other guys on the bench, like Morgan Sanson, who I really feel someone must really, really hate him for something because he does not get a look in. I just, yeah, it's not good this year. We've got talk about Steven Gerrard um, having a whole, you know, off-season or pre-season uh you know a whole load of players going out a whole load of new players coming in um i mean at this point in time you know we're no better than we were under smith uh dean smith and so yeah it's not looking good and i know it's difficult to take over mid-season we've had some really really bright spots we're not going to go down or anything crazy like that but this is a team that has spent money and looked to push on and, you know, four losses in a row, including 4-0 against Tottenham Hotspur, who, yes, are on a good run, um, but, you know, shouldn't be beating us 4-0. Um, I lost to Wolves, who literally have been in very indifferent form relatively recently. It's it's tough being a Villa fan right now, and, and Stephen Gerrard's not showing it at the moment. And I'm not saying get rid of him at all, but, you know, he's got to show something, and he's got to pull these players around. I think there has to be a response, obviously, to a 4-0, you know, and you'd hope your next game is at least a 0-0. You know, you shut up shop. I would defend Spurs. They're actually one of the form teams in the Premier League right now, playing some lovely football. When Son and Kane are on form, they can actually open up any team, I think, in the world, um, which is crazy to say about Tottenham. What a job Conte is doing. Back at Villa, uh, I, read a, I read a stat, £350 million spent since 2019 three seasons i mean immense amounts of money but yet dean smith only scraped you into the league in fact if it wasn't for a goal that wasn't a goal i think it was sheffield united you might not have stayed in the league mm. um you know so uh, is this a case of aston villa fans because dean smith did so well and then you spent this money you sold Grealish, you spent wisely still a great signing Grealish. he was just 
Um, he's nowhere near the quality of City's other players. Uh, but if you, uh, you you know, you had that money, did you sort of get stars in your eyes and think, right, Stevie Jarrett, he's going to come in. He just went a season unbeaten with Rangers. We're going to do amazing. Or do you accept that it's a re? It's all. It's always been a rebuild in Villa for the last few years. You're putting yourself in the top ten of the Premier League. You want to be there consistently to go to the next level, which I think is going to be European football for Aston Villa. It might take a while. Will you be in the Champions League next year? Maybe I oversold it. Okay, maybe <laughs> sigh, I didn't get that right. Uh, yeah, I mean, to be fair, I would say you've, we've not spent well over the summer. We we've almost have wasted the money we've spent. I mean, Buendia has been hit and miss. Yeah, Bailey has so. barely been fit, and now Steven Gerrard doesn't really like playing with traditional wingers, so that really puts him on the out. Um, yeah, there's it's not looking great right now. And uh, yeah, as a fan, it's an odd situation. And, and yes, you're right. You know, you have to bear with it. It's part of the process. But we've spent a lot of money. Um, we have lost four on the bounce again. He, he seems to have this thing where we'll win three games and we'll lose three games. Well, now we're on game four that we've lost. So we've lost more games this year than we lost last year. Um, and we've still got, what, nine games left, eight games left, something like that. It's not looking good. And and the thing is, is, it's all well and good for you to defend him. And I understand why you defend him. But at the same point, you have to be showing something. I mean, yes, up to about 55 minutes, 50 minutes, we looked, you know, and we should have been the team, the team that was leading. But we fell apart. And that's that's a big worry. And, you know, Mings and Konza, who last year, you know, I think it was something part of like 15 clean sheets or something insane. They can't defend right now. It just looks awful. And I think he has to take some of the blame for that, surely. Yeah, I think I think the best thing for a Villa fan would be a Burnley relegation. Uh, not only for the fans, but the fact that Tarkowski and me had become available. And I think that would be an absolute phenomenal mm. drop into the Villa centre-back. I think they're absolutely incredible Premier League centre-backs. Um, you know, but Villa, you know, Buendia, he's proved he's electric in the championship, but was crapping his first time in the Premier League. And he looks a bit average at the moment, but he is an exciting football player. I just don't understand how you've got Ings and Watkins up front. You're not banging goals away with Coutinho behind. I just, I just, I don't, I don't understand it. So you have to look at the manager, but surely you've just got to give him time. He's young. Um, and uh, look at Lampard. I mean, you know, terrible little run. And then he gets his win against Man United and suddenly all's forgotten and he's going to keep him in the Premier League. They've, they've won, it seems like it's been like two games of like 12 or something. <laughs> They're they lost 3-2 to Burnley after having a massive collapse in the in midweek. They they owed the fans a, uh, a was, comeback game. Yeah, the quote of the weekend is Ralph Rangnick uh, saying about Manchester United, Burnley scored three against Everton. If we can't score one, we don't deserve to win. I mean, oh mm. my God. It mm. is a pleasure to my ears, Daniel. All right, yes. Well, we'll be talking more about the weekend's football action shortly. Simon, you want to wrap up? Uh, we Well, we usually call it the highlights, but of course, uh, we also talk about notable events. And this is the, the tragic news of the the untimely and rather horrific circumstances surrounding Dwayne Haskins dying on Saturday. Um, shocking the American football world, Simon. Yeah, so obviously it seems strange that the NFL... It's in the off season right now, and yet news stories keep keep coming up. And th- this is one that is, yeah, truly tragic. So, twenty four year old quarterback uh, for the uh, for the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, Dwayne Haskins, uh, was hit by a, a car, but it's actually a, a dumper truck, I believe, 
um, at six o'clock in the morning on, was it the I-595 or something, um, and was killed. Uh, so um, shocked the, the the world, you know, especially the sporting world, the NFL world, definitely. Um, you know, very untimely. Uh, had been a player who um, he was, for want of a better word, he came out with after an amazing year at Ohio State, his college, came into the professional leagues um, with the Washington Commanders or the football team as they were at that time. Uh, and, uh, you know, it was up and down for him, some some questionable decision-making and, and uh, some personality concerns. But, you know, he then went to Pittsburgh and started to make a little career for himself. And although he wasn't playing, he was, seemed to be respected more by his teammates uh, and maybe turning it around. But, I mean, horrendous news. And there was a couple of guys, and Ben highlighted a little bit when we messaged about this the other day. Gil Brandt, who is a Hall of Famer for the Dallas Cowboys, I believe, he uh, he came on to a news, um, to a radio station and and well, just said the most appalling thing. So uh, I've got a few quotes here. He said, basically, um, there's always something with Dwayne uh, that he was living to be dead and if he hadn't left school early, maybe he wouldn't have been walking down oh, the road uh, and get hit by a car. So absolutely disgusting comments made there. And and that's not all. I mean, and I'll come to you in a second, Ben, for sure. But um, Adam Schefter, who uh, I, I mentioned quite regularly on my other podcast, Shutdown Coverage, um, Shutdown Cover on Twitter, uh, he um, came out with a, he said basically an NFL insider, he comes out with scoops and all sorts of stuff. He tweeted it very early on. Uh, and received quite rightly, in my opinion, horrendous fire for for not only highlighting that the, the the poor man had died, but highlighting that he'd struggled to catch on uh, for the Washington Commanders and the Pittsburgh Steelers, which was entirely irrelevant in the circumstances. This guy has just died. You wouldn't want to, you know, to encapsulate someone in such a manner. Uh, a tweet that was later deleted and resent without said uh, remarks, but. Yeah, not a good look for the NFL media world uh, at a time which, you know, should be, you know, a time of mourning, really, for a lot of people. And a lot of players have taken it hard because, you know, he, he was a very, very well-known player in the league. Didn't yeah. Schefter um, drop the, the Brady news um, early? He did. Yeah, he I mean, did. He, he, he's only two or three more bad tweets from just losing his whole job and career. I mean, I, I, I you know... I know he's he's a respected voice. Haven't we uh, probably the... seen in the NFL though? You you can do a lot before you're even remotely close to losing your career, whichever yeah. side of the fence you're on. As players, well, but I mean, you know, the the, the comments by Brandt are, are beyond tone deaf. I mean, the guy's ninety years old. He shouldn't even be given a voice anymore. Quite frankly, after that, uh, that should be you know uh, switch him off. Uh, but in terms of of the comments. You know, at no point, uh, tragic death, should you then say, well, he wasn't doing very well at work recently. Well, how's that even relevant? You know, condolences to his family, tragic circumstances, tragic death, uh, just so unfortunate, especially as the fact that he was probably going to be battling for that QB1 at Pittsburgh this mm. year. This was the start of his career. This was He was about to be given a chance to go and get his career uh, and apparently he was fit and healthy and and obviously um, tragic. There's, there's no way around it. I don't know why mm. these people are making these comments about his career or the past or his, his performance with Washington. Like, what? 
Yeah, I mean, and also just to to round that very nicely as well, Adam Schefter is also the man that said something along the lines of um, that Deshaun Watson was found innocent at his grand jury uh, and he'd always maintained in his innocence throughout, basically inferring that he, in fact, was completely innocent of all charges, which is obviously very disrespectful to the potential and alleged victims of Deshaun Watson's abuses. So, yeah, uh, not really good for him. He's slipped up a few times this season already, and uh, it'd be very difficult to see him cancelled. But at the same point, I mean... You know he's got to learn to to phrase these things better. I don't believe he does it maliciously, but he definitely has to phrase things better. Okay, well, uh, thank you, gentlemen. Uh, let's move on. So, uh, if you want to share with us any of your highlights of the week in sports, or just join us in the conversation with us, you can find us on Twitter at WednesdayPod and also on Instagram at WednesdayPod. Simon, um, we're going to stick with you because uh, you are going to give us um, no longer guessing game anymore the nba playoffs are all set we know who's going to play who and simon you probably know who's going to win right oh well it's definitely not going to be chicago bulls because they're playing dreadfully right now yes basically last week i was a little bit premature it's not the first time i've been premature but usually i just think about chairs and i can definitely carry it on a bit longer but um anyway dan's definitely (laughs) definitely cutting that that one out that would no that was a wrestling (laughs) reference you think about chairs matches of course i I think if i could um if, if you could here, disappointment. That's what it sounded like. Dan is definitely <laughs> noting down the time of this. So if this if this makes it to, uh, I would say print, but if this makes it to the final version, then you're welcome, everybody. I'm hilarious. Um, so yes, NFL, NFL, the NBA playoffs. So they are set, as Dan so succinctly said, they are set, they are ready. And I am going to now tell you all what I believe, um, you know, basically give you the ins and outs of what's going to happen. And, you know, if you're not interested in basketball or if you haven't picked a side already, then do so because the playoffs are electric. It's it's a whole nother level. Yes, Ben? Uh, no, no, no. I was just super oh, excited to go. I was. I thought you were giving there. me uh, like a, yeah. <laughs> no, you know, it's very interesting. I was, like, uh, I was like, hold you up and go, wait a minute. Yeah. I'm excited. And you, you looked, go. You looked a bit like Matthew McConaughey in the Lincoln adverts. Listen, so I, I'm... I'm still laughing at your previous joke uh, that now Dan can't cut because we've mentioned it twice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a great joke. Good joke. I'm leaving it in. Excellent. Let our listeners listeners decide. (laughs) (laughs) Do we cut sight in future or not? Let us know in the uh, poll below. You can't cut me. Um, So anyway, yeah. So uh, the NFL playoffs, it is slightly different to the regular season, obviously, uh, you have individual games, you, you play all the teams in a bit of a round-robin kind of format, uh, you know, a standard league format. Now we are in the nitty-gritty. So um, we have the play-in tournament, which happens first, which is effectively, it's not quite sudden death apart from for one side, but uh, it's close to. And basically this was brought in to A, make it more exciting and increase the number of teams in the playoffs, at least for a short amount of time, but B, to reduce the level of tanking. And what tanking is, is basically where teams are dreadful uh, to try and get better picks. And if they've got a chance of actually competing until the final games, then they, they tend to be a bit more, you know, committed and not, you know, create dreadful basketball as they rest all their players. So uh, we're in the play-in tournament. That starts, I believe it starts tonight, actually. So um, we've got a very interesting game. The oh, You may have heard mention last week, the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, they managed to climb up from the 10th seed to the 7th seed, so give them a much better chance of 
going forward. They're going to be playing the eight seed Cavs tonight. So stay with me because this is very, very confusing. So whoever wins this game makes the playoffs. Whoever loses this game will then play the winner of the Hornets and the Hawks, um, who finished uh, 10th and 9th respectively. Uh, and then the winner of those two games will then play be the 8th seed. So it's a little bit confusing, but that's the way it works. So that's how it works on that side. And on the other side, it is the number eight Clippers, uh, LA Clippers team versus the number seven Minnesota Timberwolves. So same practice. If the Timberwolves or Clippers win, they're in the playoffs in the seventh seed. If they don't win, then they still have a chance and they will play the winners of the Spurs and the Pelicans. So stay with me, okay? Once that is set, then the team that finishes eighth, in the east, wow, this is a lot of maths. Dan's already lost. Um, so I feel like I'm um, just getting plugged into the matrix for the first time. Is, I'm just starting to see green things come down in front of me and not uh, really go vis a vis. That's why it's the architect. Um, yeah, so the number eight seed in the east will play the Miami Heat. You keep saying eight seven. seed, stop saying eight seed. It's like eight it's seed has no meaning anymore. <laughs> and the seventh Simon, seed he's... will play the Celtics. Okay, I'm nearly finished, guys. So just but what get about over. the eighth seed? And the eighth seed in the West will play the Phoenix Suns. So some really tough games, but we could have a very interesting situation where the Brooklyn Nets play the Miami Heat, and you have uh, what is you know the best team in the league playing against the Nets, who you know have the potential to beat anyone, especially with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Um, and you've also got the seventh seed in the West playing the Memphis Grizzlies. So that is sorted. From then on, guys, um, once we get into the playoffs properly, uh, it goes from a single game elimination-y type situation to a best of um, seven series. So um, obviously, basically first to four, effectively. Um, So that's where we are. Um, And just to highlight it as well, because I know Dan probably wants me to get off all this mathematics. Um, It's very interesting (laughs) because... There's no super teams left, apart from the Brooklyn Nets, really. The Lakers binned out of there. They finished 11th. Absolutely awful season for them. God knows what's going to happen next year. Are they going to be back? Who knows? Is LeBron going to want to play there anymore? Is he going to go off somewhere else after he basically ruined the side by bringing in all his mates? Who the hell knows? But just to kind of highlight a little bit more as well, um, you've got the Jazz versus the Mavs. and the Nuggets versus the Warriors, which are two amazingly juicy games. And then you've got the Raptors, the 76ers in the East, and the Bulls and the Bucks. So my beloved Chicago Bulls made it in sixth place after being the best team in the East for about two-thirds of it. have been absolutely awful since, but they've still made it. They're in sixth place, but they're going to get absolutely bounced by the uh, the world. I hate this American sport where they call world champions, when it's only a sport that's played in two different <laughs> two different countries, Canada and America, uh, the United uh, States. Champions of the universe. Yeah, it's a World Series in baseball. It's so stupid. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. How many other teams play baseball, for God's sake? You've got like seven countries in the world that play baseball. Um, so yeah, so some really juicy games, uh, some less juicy games. But yeah, really exciting and and try try your best. And I've probably not sold this very well because it's a lot of listing off names and a lot of number eights. But 
pick a team, guys. It's an interesting Basketball time. Basketball will be happening at some point between some teams on some days. Exactly. I, yeah, so. I will, uh, Si, pick a team because uh, mm. the Oklahoma aren't make uh, aren't in the playoffs. Uh, so I shall pick a team. I'm picking the Timberwolves because the Timberwolves Ooh. have um, only made the playoffs once uh, other than this I read since 2004. Kevin Garnett um, years. Yeah. Yeah, you know, while. and... Uh, it's a long sort of time ago, and they've got uh, the, the the big lad Carl Anthony Towns, who went off mm. for something like sixty, didn't he, this uh, season? Uh, yes. I like the Timberwolves. I want the Timberwolves to win, so they are going to play. I'm just going to recap because we've heard a lot about seed tonight. Um, <laughs> a lot of seeds. <laughs> we're talking about the Timberwolves are playing the Memphis Grizzlies. Yes, I okay. will potentially. Potentially, oh, potentially in the playoff now, play-in tournament. I've got another bone to pick with you. Why do they call it a play-in to a playoff and not a play-on yeah. to a playoff? Because uh, you're playing your way in, I suppose, uh, into the playoffs. There's not yeah. not many play-in tournament situations yeah. in in world sport, is there? No. Is this is this trial going to be continued through to 2023? I think so. I think people like it. I think it's tested quite well. It's very confusing. If you don't watch basketball, it's very confusing. Obviously, Dan, very, very confused right now. Um, But actually, a little red in the talk about sport. Uh, Sunburn. Yeah. Oh, it's It's the sunburn. Sunstroke to go with his confusion. Um, Simon's blow. Well, you know, um, but yeah, uh, so yeah, it's very, very difficult to explain outside if you're not watching. But yeah, just pick a side, guys. There's so many well, teams Boston. left. I'm in going it. with Boston. Oh, they might have a difficult. They might play the Celtics. The Nets. I, know, I can't know. go. I can't go down the road to the Nets. That doesn't feel right. So I'm going to go with Boston. Good for you. Stick with Boston. I like it. And my Chicago Bulls almost certainly not making out in the first round, but we shall see. Sad times. <sighs> All right. Um, well, thank you very much, Simon, for the um, ins and outs of the play-ins to the playoffs. And the playoffs. Uh, so, Ben, let's hear from you. Talk to us. And Simon, actually, what I'm going to do is once Ben's finished talking, I'm going to come back to you, Si, because what I'd like a little bit from you, off the, off, off the cuff, unscripted, mm. so to speak, mm-hmm. is what happened in baseball. Mm. The Cubs. The, weekend. the so, Cubs. Uh, top I'm of the, come back to the that. central, Dan. So, um, Sai, get some get some notes on the on oh, the uh, on the oh, baseball geez. for us. But Ben's going to talk about the greatest match in Premier League history. Now, didn't we have this same conversation just a few weeks ago? You basically gave Sai a free run to wax lyrical about Chicago Cubs. Dan, well done, well done, you. Mm. Uh, yes, let's talk soccer ball. Greatest quality Premier League match in history. Again, Thankfully, Mark Two. Um, no, just this was it. So I mean, why was we had we literally had this conversation a few weeks ago, didn't we? Well, we maybe. I say a lot of things are the greatest in the world, Dan. <laughs> it's a bit of a disease. It's a bit of an issue. Um, was this match the highest quality Premier League match in history? Yes, I think it was. First, I want to do a bit of wordings. It's important to do wording here, Dan. I am not saying now, after you shout at me, that this is the greatest Premier League match <laughs> of all time. I can think of a few more exciting. Okay, I'll actually back Sigh because Villa. Liverpool 7-2 was way more exciting for Villa fans than this was. So there's a bit of context there. Liverpool and Newcastle 4-3. I think Stan Collymore got a, got the winner that day. Uh, Anfield United 
United's demolition of City with the Rooney bicycle kick. I can remember a few. There's been some crackers. But in terms of fundamental skill, in terms of passing quality, pressing, intensity, bravery, this was an immense football match, okay? It finished 2-2, which basically gave the perfect result for neutrals, keeps the Premier League title race going into the final seven games. Both managers were were in awe at the level of football played. Literally, the desire shown was amazing through the TV screen. I did shout some things at the television. I'm not proud of, Dan, uh, but it was a brilliant spectacle. Um, Dan, I know you didn't watch it because you would have been, even though this was after you'd finished your marathon, you would have been nursing your uh, tight hamstrings <laughs> and sigh. Did you watch the Premier League spectacle? I watched uh, the last Eight 20 minutes. minutes of it, Ugh. something along that. And it wasn't that great. So I, I really don't, I mean, I can't, I can't really, you know, subscribe to what you're saying, to be honest. I mean, I missed all the goals. I missed the action, but yeah, it was just a lot of long balls from Liverpool. They played it safe towards the end of the game. Didn't really look like they were going to do it. And, Probably committed some horrendous fouls, and one of which or two of which could have definitely been Reds potentially. So I didn't see the game that you saw, but then I'm, I'm not a biased Liverpool fan. So um, my question <laughs> to you, Ben, did Liverpool blow their chance? Is that chance gone? No, not only did they blow the chance because they drew the game, and uh, I think it's important to say. This level of football was so far above anything else we've seen. Uh, the managers after the game were actually talking about how they need to go and win the next seven games. Do you know how hard it is to win seven games in a row? I mean, you know, for a team like Villa, that would be world classic streak. For Liverpool and City, it, it's just unbelievable. They're winning game after game after game. This was not an advert for the Premier League. I can tell you that because there's no other teams in the 20 strong team that are even close to this level. It's so far above what we're seeing from Chelsea, Spurs, West Ham, you know, the, the closest three teams to Liverpool and City right now. And with Klopp's ex uh, expected extension, Guardiola saying how happy he is in the blue side of Manchester. It could be these two teams battling out for four more years. Um, I'm going to give you a wonderful stat, Dan, because I know you're our stat man. Uh, over the I last like four, I like a stat. Over the last four seasons, Manchester City have one more point than Liverpool. That is like something 60, 70 points ahead of the nearest challenger. One point more. Over that time, City have won 108 matches, Liverpool have won 104, but Liverpool have only lost just 15 times in that. It is unbelievable the level between these two. De Bruyne got City off to a start. De Bruyne is a fabulous player to watch. Um, and the unlikely Gabriel Jesus also got a goal. Uh, and obviously for Liverpool, it was uh, Diogo Jota and the sensational Sadio Mane. Um, unbelievable scenes. You know, Someone's got to lose the title because that's what makes sports good. That's the only reason we watch sport is because there's a winner and a loser and that's what makes it exciting. Uh, but we don't have to wait long now for the next chapter in what is a growing rivalry because we play in four days' time in the FA Cup semi-final. Uh, Sai, before you wow us with uh, the MLB knowledge, uh, who have you got? You have seven games to go. City have the one-point lead. Both got fairly okay run-ins obviously we don't play each other again who've you got 
where's the Premier League title going to this year? I mean, I thought it was Liverpool. I, you know, I, I had firmly in the sights that Liverpool going to win that game of the weekend, and they flattered to deceive. Um, so I think you have to give the points. Uh, what's the goal difference uh, between the two? Do we know? Uh, Liverpool are a little bit ahead on goal okay. difference. I think we've got about five more. So if City slip up and Liverpool draw, then effectively that goal difference will be the deciding factor. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think City know what they need to do. Um, though I saw a lovely video at the weekend of Kevin De Bruyne taking his kids to McDonald's after the game, which I thought was <laughs> awesome. Um, but yeah, you've got to give if two very evenly matched sides. As I said, I thought that was Liverpool's big chance there and it didn't go well. So, uh, well, I mean, it didn't go badly either, but, you know, they they didn't do enough, I feel. I think they had to win that game. Uh, so I've got to go with City. Yeah, that's a fair point. Wonderful, though. Wonderful uh, football. Amazing to be involved and being a you know a fan of one of these two teams at the moment. And I think both sets of supporters and both sets of teams can be really proud of themselves. And yes, I just want to echo what you said there. I think De Bruyne's the nicest footballer in the history of football and takes the award over N'Golo Kante. There you go. Uh, ben, I have an apology. Oh, there we go. It wasn't um, football. It wasn't Premier League football that we've talked about before as having the greatest game in history. Uh, it was American football. Yeah. So it was the NFL that we the were Bills. talking about a few weeks the ago. Bills and it was the a Chiefs. football of sorts. That was an incredible just, just game. Had the wrong shape. In fact, I've still got a hangover from the immense playoffs at the NFL. If next season's NFL is half as good as this season's NFL was or last season's, I don't, it doesn't even feel like it's finished because the NFL news is thick and fast. You know, obviously incredibly sad news we've had this week but um there's been some in, insane nfl news recently uh so yeah dan you know the greatest we like to say some things the greatest or the best or the uh the funnest uh you oh. actually th- talked about that last week as your speed scooting fan <laughs> fanship now Hey, you never know. It might be the next big thing. Um, I've just been uh, doing some Google Foo, finding some, um, uh, you know, now I've been plugged into the Matrix. I know Google Foo. Uh, I've been looking at some of the, trying to get the viewing figures for that game at the weekend, just out of interest. Um, And I'm just reading this Guardian article here that suggests that the best, because the Premier League doesn't publish numbers. They just publish a kind of like an aggregate. But the best guess from Nielsen Sport gave a slightly more down-to-earth number as one of the most viewed fixtures in recent seasons. It was likely to exceed 20 million live viewers across the globe or about 5 million more than the season six finale of Line of Duty. Yeah. So it's comparable to the finale of Line of Duty, but um, it's it's not the most viewed sport, football fixture when it's compared to things like the World Cup, which is like... Like 800 million people or whatever it is and so on so but yeah still a significant chunk of people turning in yeah it's incredible and you've got to bear in mind there's 38 of these games over the season uh for yeah. each team uh so you know i mean it's uh you don't expect to have a billion viewers for each one um this year's world cup in qatar i'm sure will have a billion plus viewers, uh, but truly the football was fantastic. What Pep Guardiola and Jurgen Klopp, two of the best managers of their generation, are doing is really changing the football game. The Premier League landscape is changing. They've set a bar and a level which many teams are just struggling to get anywhere close to, and it's a pleasure to be involved in that. I, I really enjoy football, and it was a it was a perfect Sunday afternoon kickoff. 
There we go. Well, there we go. So we've got the playoffs to look forward to, and we've just had one of the greatest quality matches in Premier League history. Uh, thanks for that, gentlemen. If there's any uh, meaty things you want us to get into, or if you have any thoughts on the games at the weekend or the playoffs and play-ins as they're about to happen in the NBA, do find us on Twitter or Instagram at WednesdayPod on either. And I have a small ask for you, our dear listeners, as well. If you're liking the show, if you're listening each week, consider subscribing, liking, following, whatever it is, the platform request you do. Also, leave a review, rate us, tell your friends. It really helps us spread the message, so we'd be very grateful if you did. Okay, let's wrap up then, gentlemen. Where are we heading? What's coming up in the week in sports? Simon, let's go to you. Uh, well, Dan, I didn't really know what you wanted me to do about the MLB. Oh, so no, I forgot about really... that. So, yeah, let, let baseball. Cause, I shouldn't um, have reminded you because I, I really about, don't have um, much. You know, it coming back and watching it and the fact it's actually now a thing that's coming on. Um, so, and you were going to try and get into it. So, um, if there's anything yeah, so to basically, record. I think the big news that I've seen is my beloved Chicago Cubs, who See? are as top of the central, as, as Ben so rightfully said. Uh, <laughs> Beating two times in a row the Milwaukee Brewers, who are one of the favourites for the title. So, um, all in all, you know, I can't help but say, um, you know, I, I, well, ironically as well, I actually watched the third game, which is the game that the Cubs lost. So, I think I might be a bad luck charm in uh, baseball as well, every other sport I play. Apart from that, it's slim pickings. It's too early in the year, really, to come up with any big you know trends and stuff like that the only other thing i could think about which was quite interesting is there's a guy called spencer torkelson who was born in 1999 who just hit his first home run no first league hit i should say not home run um off a guy called rich hill who was drafted in 1999 so uh, oh, a sport spanning uh, quite a few years uh, and still awesome to hear that you've got guys playing he's got to be well into his 40s now uh, to still be playing after being drafted in 1999. Does, so, does this Chicago-Milwaukee, with Chicago coming out on top, rivalry foreshadow the NBA for you, Simon? Is this a good wow. omen? We don't know. They, they're actually playing, <laughs> not to, to time stamp us right now, but they're actually playing a game now as well, and it's nil-nil as far as I'm aware. Um, and I've just clicked on the wrong damn team. Uh, it is. It's nil nil. Oh, they're playing the Pirates, the Pittsburgh Pirates. I do apologise. So hopefully the Cubs get to a three and one start. So um, yeah. Um, and how are your two t- teams going, boys? Who who have you decided? To well, uh, I think it's important to say the Red Sox are two and three. So yeah, sitting oh. below the Yankees in the East. Um, uh, the Red Sox play on Friday, Friday night. Actually, I think it's about uh, six or six or seven p.m. Um, bat off. Did I get that right? <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, so they play on Friday night. I'm actually going to watch that game. I've actually got it down there on my calendar as the first nice. MLB game of the season to watch because I've neglected MLB for a while. I used to be a massive fan when it was on Channel 5. And, um, yeah, I shall be watching it at the end of the, the weekend. I've seen a couple of insane highlights already through, like, the BBC yeah. app and New York Times. Like, I mean, crazy highlights, one-handed catches, amazing home runs. Mm. So you've got to love MLB, and I think they'll, they'll – They'll, they'll um they'll be a fantastic season. I think it's going to be brilliant. Before though, Dan, you go on to size coming up for the week. Um, and my, you know, hi- highlights of the week to come, um, or however you do it. <laughs> That's a funny voice. Uh, I, <laughs> I was trying to copy uh, Daniel. Uh, he's so red faced. Um, Don't. <laughs> 
<laughs> are we allowed to quote films on this? No, I think not, are we? Uh, yeah, so this week there's one big news article that I, got, I want you guys, I want every listener to keep an eye on, and that's the unfolding story of Cristiano Ronaldo hitting oh a little autistic boy. Now, obviously, you know, hitting anyone's terrible, but the fact that this guy was a child, this lad was a child, was just filming players leaving the pitch, real sort of, that's what fans do. They film their favorite players. You know, he show his mates that he's got Cristiano Ronaldo was that close to hit the phone out of the hand. We've, we've heard reports that were bruising of the hand. The phone was destroyed. And Cristiano Ronaldo's apology online was simply, sometimes the heat of the moment gets the better of me. I will invite him to Manchester United in the future. This is going to rumble on. This is, I think, verging on loss of sponsorship unless he rapidly apologizes very vocally uh, because it's unacceptable. You're in this arena. Yeah, you've just had a shoddy match against Everton. You got your hand, your ass handed to you against the worst team in the league. At the beginning of the show, Si mentioned uh, won someone like two in 12. Um, you've got to have a bit of composure, walk off the pitch, applaud this also the traveling fans. Someone that prides themselves on how they are too, how absolutely. Um, uh, philanthropic they are to children, uh, sort of charities and things like yes. that. Is, am I right? Is, is that am I thinking the right person here? Yeah, I mean, Cy Ronaldo is he, he seems like a stand up guy. Yes, there's been some you know sexual assault claims, like there is with a lot of footballers at that high profile, uh, of which he was found uh, not guilty. So we can't necessarily dive into that. But uh, this was not this was uncalled for. I didn't like it one bit, mm. and I don't think this is going to be brushed under the carpet. No, and I mean, this is what annoys me a little bit because. To Ronaldo, I think his brand is everything and, you know, it obviously allows him to sell more and, you know, it's got him a worldwide following. I mean, you'd probably argue in certain parts of the world, definitely in large parts of the world, that people think that Ronaldo is the greatest player and not Messi. You know, it's not uncommon, especially, you know, in certain parts of the world and certain parts of Manchester. But, um, yeah, it, it doesn't look good. Um it's uh, obviously the headline in the newspapers are that they were smashed and battered and blah, blah. It was not quite as, as, as bad as that, but it certainly was a horrendous look. Um, it was, um, you know, really, really bad, really petulant. And I think that's the thing with Ronaldo. Everyone talks about him being such a competitor, but I think in a lot of ways, he is a petulant child as well himself. Um, and uh, yeah, it doesn't look good for him at all. And, uh, you know, hopefully he gets the book thrown at him because, you know, it's not acceptable because as you said, I mean, it wasn't like, um, I mean, granted someone else in the crowd may have been saying anything, but you just have to trudge off at that sort of situation. And yes, the phone might've been ever so slightly in his way, but he didn't need to react in the manner he did. And yeah, it was very petulant, very childish. And yeah, if he gets fined or whatever, then uh, maybe you'll think about, you know, not, effectively attacking people in the crowd all right okay let's what's going on then what's coming up apart from the story that will rumble on of ronaldo um ben 
Uh, well, Simon, let's go to you. Let's talk about USFL, baby, exclamation mark. USFL, baby. Um, yeah, very, very brief. You may remember I mentioned it briefly the other a few, probably a couple of months ago now. Um, the inaugural season or the rejuvenation of the U- United States Football League, which uh, folded in 1986, it's back. Uh, and we have been waiting years for a, a potential uh threat as it were to the nfl the juggernaut nfl and obviously the usfl is is relying at the moment on uh very very old vets uh unknown players undrafted college players so it's not exactly as if they're a a full-blown competitor but you know it's good to a have football in the spring into the summer so that'll be great and yeah potentially the the birth of a challenger to the nfl that will at the very least um, mean that the NFL start to up their standards with the uh, the way that they look after their football players. So, um, yeah, good to have it back on. And yeah, if you're like me and you could do with watching idly watching a little bit of American football at some point in the next few weeks, then yeah, you've got uh, another league to look at. All I'm saying is, do you need more American football in your life, or could some tennis <laughs> squeeze in? Uh, no, more American football. <laughs> All right. Uh, ben, you've got a couple of things coming up your way. What's happening? Yeah, just more soccer ball. Obviously, Champions League. There's some immense um, uh, Champions League action tonight uh, with uh, Chelsea and Real Madrid going to extra time. Uh, and Villarreal dumping Bayern Munich out of the cup. Villarreal are... I mean, if Unai Emery wins the Champions League with Villarreal, that would rival 2004 Porto Mourinho for me. It'd be it'd be Leicester winning the Premier League big, uh, I think. Uh, and they they every chance of doing it. It's such a defensive masterclass of a team right now. Uh, but yeah, obviously Liverpool at Benfica tomorrow. Uh, we've got a three-one advantage uh, from Portugal. Obviously that's Anfield. Uh, an FA Cup this weekend. Uh, yeah, it's it's just a real exciting time for football. It's crunch time a lot of games come thick and fast it decides where the the titles and leagues whatever are going to go um so i'm yeah dialed in now to football for probably the next six weeks you've got uh, i mean oh it's just football so i I saw all your three items and i was expecting you to talk about other things other than the football and i've just reread them all properly and it's all football it's football 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 i got so excited about football three headlines uh dan (laughs) but listen i mean you know 52 minutes into this episode you started looking for some sport content to deliver i think uh for the next episode we uh we reverse the roles uh so i anchor and Simon offers the kind of, um, you know, fun Ben talent, and then uh, you do Simon's job, which is going to be pretty tricky. I mean, we could. I don't know why we'd we'd break a, a formula, but yeah, why not? Give it a go. We may lose our listeners, Dan, <laughs> we, uh, of which we have many. Um, yeah, you you honestly threw me, Ben. Um, but there you go. All right. Well, uh, thank you very much, gentlemen. Um, I think it's absolutely time that I get to bed. Um, before I cease to function 100%. But um, it's been an absolute pleasure once again. So all that's left to say for this week is, I've been Dan. I have been Simon. And I've been Ben. Until next, last Wednesday of the week, be kind. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.